Hello, I'm Pastor Austin at New East Bend Baptist Church. In today's sermon, we see that Jesus is the door. Thank you for joining us, and if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at austin at neelysbenbaptist.org. Thank you for listening. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheephole by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to him. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pastors. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for being able to gather here this Sunday morning, Lord. The opportunity to come here and worship you, Lord, to give thanks to the song we sung together, Lord. We would praise you for that. Lord, I pray that today, as I begin to proclaim the word, that you would just speak for me with simplicity and clarity and passion, Lord. That you would help me to, to be a, just be a mouthpiece for you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we as a people here today, that we are able to clear our minds and we're able to clear our focus and focus only on you and your word. Lord, we praise you for this word. We thank you for this word. We thank you for whole Bible and what it means to us as believers. Lord, I pray that you will just lead us, guide us, and direct us as we tug into this passage of John chapter 1, verse 10, or 1, verse 10, and seeing that Jesus is the Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. There is only one door. There is only one door. One door that saves. One door to get into heaven. In the past couple of weeks, I've made references to the exodus of Israel. How the Israelites were leaving Egypt. They were, being, they were going on their exodus out of Egypt. I'm going to reference it once again today. It's such a rich passage. There's so much there. It's a very, it's a wonderful story of how God led Israel out of Egypt. But Egypt had just endured their tenth and final plague. They just endured it. And Pharaoh had finally had enough. He was done. It was dead. He had just lost his son. And he wanted the Israelites out. He wanted Moses to leave, take his people, and get out of here. He demanded the Israelites to leave. Moses and the Israelites began their journey to the wilderness. Their departure from Egypt. But they soon discovered that there was a giant body of water in the way. 
They try to win, and then they have the Red Sea. It's there, it's in the way. Pharaoh's heart is heartened once again, and he sends his army after the Israelites. They're chasing him, going after him. But the Israelites can't go anywhere because they're stuck in front of this sea, this Red Sea. They're trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army. But God had other plans. He tells Moses to raise his staff, and as Moses raises his staff, God begins to part the Red Sea, creating a path, creating a singular path, a dry path for the Israelites to cross over on, cross through to the other side of the sea. This was the only way for the Israelites to be saved from the Egyptian army. And they begin to cross through. And they all make it to the other side. And just as they all make it to the other side, the war causes the waves, the water between parted to crash back down on Pharaoh's army, killing them all. Church, there was only one way for the Israelites to be saved from that. And that was to walk through the parted waters, the parted sea, to walk through the door that, Jesus, that God had made for them to go through. The Red Sea, when God parted it, essentially acted as a door to the other side, to the wilderness. It acted as a way that would lead to salvation for Israel from the Egyptian army. Friends, church members, church family, just as God parted the waters for the Israelites to walk through and to be saved, God sent a door Adored. His name is Jesus Christ. For those who would enter into him to be saved. To be saved. This door is Jesus. Jesus is the door. Have you entered the door? Do you know Jesus? Have you submitted your life to Jesus? If you have entered the door and you do believe in Jesus and you are living your life as if you have entered into that door, entered into Jesus, are you walking in Jesus? You see, the only way to heaven, the only way to God, the only way to be saved is through Jesus. It is not through anything or anyone else. You can't save yourself. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot work for your salvation. Others cannot save you. Your parents cannot save you. Your grandparents cannot save you. The person who shares the gospel with you cannot save you. Only God can save you. No other religion or cult is going to get you to Jesus. And that's because there's only one way. And that way is through Jesus Christ. For those who do believe in Jesus Christ and have entered the door, know that you are saved. You are saved. But for those who do not believe, the opportunity for them, or for you, if that's you here today, the opportunity is there for you to enter through the door and be saved. And then because you realize, you realize the goodness of salvation, the joy that you received from God, it will drive you. It should drive us to want to speak of Jesus 
has been removed. Or to our neighbors, to our friends, to our co-workers, to our family, any other person that is around us in our daily lives. My purpose in preaching this sermon today from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, is for you to remember that Jesus is the door that we must enter into for salvation. And let that lead us to telling others about Jesus. But before we get there, let's talk about this passage. Let's talk about this parable. This passage is honestly not a tricky passage. As you were as we were reading through it, as you were listening, you probably noticed that there's a lot happening here. You may have some confusion for yourself. Jesus begins speaking in a parable for the first five verses. And then he follows it up by explaining it to them because they didn't understand it, as it says in verse 6. They had no idea. To be honest, even as I was reading through this passage, I struggled to understand it. I spent a lot of time looking over it, looking through it, figuring it out, praying about it, working through it. But the difficult part of this parable is that they are multiple people who are alluded to. You have the sheep who are alluded to. You have the eat the the gatekeeper, the door. You have the shepherd, and you have the thieves and the robbers. All these people are alluded to in this parable. And Jesus' explanation, he refers to himself as two of those. As two of those. He refers to himself as the door or the gatekeeper, and he refers to himself as the good shepherd. As the good shepherd. And for our sermon today, we're only going to focus on Jesus referring to himself as the door. As the door. So while I may not touch on everything that's in this passage, because there's a lot, because Jesus is referring to himself as two things. He's referring to himself as the door. And then next week, we will see how Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And we will see the rest of this passage be explained. Because part of it goes with the door, and part of it goes with the the good shepherd. But the important thing that we must remember when we look through this parable, when we interpret this parable, is we can't get too caught up on who represents who. Because when we begin to do that, we begin to make things that aren't there. Because this is where many people struggle with interpreting and understanding this specific parable from Jesus. We just have to take it at face value and interpret it the way that Jesus interpreted his very own parable. And that is what I plan to do today. So today from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, we will see two features of Jesus as the door. We will see two features of Jesus as the door that leads us to salvation. The first feature that we have is that Jesus is the true door. The true door. Jesus is the true door. I use the word true here because if Jesus isn't the true door, then that means Jesus isn't Jesus. It means Jesus isn't Jesus. But Jesus is the true door, and we're going to look at exactly how Jesus is that true door and how he shows himself to be the true door. Before we can really begin digging deep into this passage, there are a couple things that we need to first understand about this parable. We need to understand the context of what is happening. We need to get a picture of the setting, a picture of what's happening here. 
And so what I want to do is paint an image in your mind for you, just to kind of get an idea. So the Old Testament times, and even the New Testament times, and even today in the Eastern world, in Eastern cultures, people still shepherd sheep. They shepherd sheep. In America, we have people that shepherd sheep as well. But the way that we shepherd sheep here in America is completely different than the way that they shepherd sheep in the Eastern culture and in Jesus' time. Here in America, we drive sheep. We either have a dog that walks behind the sheep, pushing the sheep forward, or we have a, a person who is walking behind the sheep, pushing the sheep forward. We drive sheep. For them, in the Eastern cultures, in Jesus' time, they led the sheep. They walked in front of the sheep. They led the sheep, and the sheep followed them. We drive them, they lead them, and the sheep follow them. That's only one example for this. But what I want you to do is I want you to imagine four shepherds. Just imagine four shepherds, and each of those shepherds each have their own flock. So now we have four shepherds with four flocks of sheep. And they all live near each other. They live in a court of houses. So in the New Testament time, you had these like courts of houses. You just kind of imagine, like if you guys look at the stage, you can say you have a house there, a house there, a house here, a house here, just kind of a little square, like court shape of houses. And in the middle, there would be a courtyard. And in this courtyard, they would have a wall that would be built around an enclosure. Some of you may think of a round pen or a catch pen if you ever had cows or horses or anything like that. But this enclosure would be an enclosure that was built out of rock, be a rock wall. And there would be only one entrance into this enclosure. And at night, these four different shepherds would bring their sheep in and they would take them into the enclosure to be there for the night. So they could be protected. So they could be he would be secured. They were there. So you have this rock wall that acts as a barrier for the sheep. And as a ceremony, there's only one entrance into this pen, into this enclosure. One entrance. Only one entrance for the sheep to go in and out of. In some cases, this entrance may have a gate or a door. In some cases, it did not have a gate or a door. And somebody, somebody would lay in front of that doorway, of that entrance. And they would be the one that would guard the sheep through the night. They would hold the sheep in the pen. The gatekeeper would watch over them, watch over the sheep, lay in front of the door, and sleep through the night, watching over the sheep in the pen. The gatekeeper essentially would act as a door to the sheep. He was the way in. He was the way out. His job was to protect the sheep. They're not from predators and from thieves, from robbers. In order for these predators and thieves to get to the sheep, they would either have to climb over the fence, as the parable references soon, and get to the other side, and hope that the gatekeeper didn't see them, or they would just have to man up and bite the gatekeeper. On the other. But either way, they would have to make it a different way through to get to the sheep, to steal the sheep. And Jesus is saying that I am that door. 
that he is that door, that he is the gatekeeper, that he is the only way in for the sheep. Jesus is saying he is the door. But what makes Jesus the true door? What makes him the true door? Look with me in verse 1. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but comes in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. We skip down to verse 7. Jesus begins to explain the parable. And he explains what he means. And he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. But what I mean, wherever I say Jesus is the true door, Jesus is saying, I am not a thief, I am not a robber, I am not like those who came before me, I am the door, the true door. He is the right one, he is the true one, he is the one whom we can know is here to be the savior of the world, the Messiah. Because he is not here as a thief or robber. He is here as the gatekeeper, the door. It's also important that Jesus is pointing out the ones who came before him. Jesus is only pointing out those who were thieves, those who were robbers. There were many people who came before Jesus. You may recall someone like Abraham, for example. He was a long time before Jesus. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. David, for example, would also be someone who came before Jesus. He was the king who would foreshadow who Jesus would be. And Jesus is greater than David. These people who came before Jesus because they were a part of Jesus' lineage is not who Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about those who were falsely making themselves messiahs. They were making a false claim. They were messianic pretenders. They were not true messiahs. I also believe that Jesus was referencing the Pharisees. The Pharisees, the leaders of the Jews, who were supposed to be shepherding the Jews, but were not. Jesus was making a targeted claim for the Pharisees. And we look back at the context of this passage and where it lies within the framework of the book of John. We look at from chapter 9. John, not happened before this parable of teaching that Jesus does, Jesus had healed a blind man. He healed a blind man. After he was healed, the Pharisees captured this blind man and began questioning this man and his parents about who healed him. And he responds by saying that it was Jesus who healed him. And the Pharisees lost it. They, they just lost it. They couldn't take it anymore. They didn't know what to do. They, were, they didn't know what to think. Some were saying that Jesus was a sinner because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. Some people were saying that Jesus wasn't a sinner because how could he heal somebody that was born blind if he was a sinner? After they had put this blind man out, Jesus came to the blind man and he asked it to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man responds and says, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. What was happening in this chapter was that the Pharisees were losing control. They were losing their authority. They were claiming that Jesus was not the Messiah because they couldn't see Jesus as the Messiah. 
They were in some ways acting as false messiahs, as pretenders. They were acting as a door to who could believe and who couldn't, just as they did with this blind man. He was healed. The Pharisees and even others who were pretending to be false messiahs were who Jesus is speaking of as robbers and thieves. The Pharisees were only in it for their own gain, for their own selves, not for the good of the sheep. And Jesus is flipping the world upside down because the Pharisees, the ones who were supposed to be caring for and protecting the Jews, wasn't. These laws and commands that they had created were not for the good of the people, for good of Israel. They were only good for themselves. And Jesus was there to wreck that whole system. And that he did because Jesus is the true door, the true door. He is not like the ones who came before him who were trying to steal away sheep, who were trying to rob away sheep. He was coming to bring the sheep in and protect the sheep. And we should be giving thanks to Jesus every day, just like we saw in that song. Give thanks to Jesus every day. Because just as Jesus is the gatekeeper was served, or just as a gatekeeper was served to protect the sheep, to bring them in, Jesus served to protect them to those who believe in him. And that is something we should remember every day as believers. That Jesus cares for us and he protects us because he is the true Lord. He is not a thief. He is not a robber. He is here to give life. To give salvation. And that leads us to the next feature of Jesus. The feature of how Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. Remember our picture of a sheep pen. A rock wall that forms an enclosure, only one entrance. This is the key. There is only one entrance. And Jesus is telling us that He is that entrance, that He is that one door. And because he is the one door, those that walk in that door will be saved. Look at me in verse 9 and 10. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out in my pasture. The thief will go in to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Have it abundantly. In these verses, there are two things for us to recognize. Two things for us to recognize. The first thing for us to recognize is that Jesus is the only way. Just as the entrance is the only way in, Jesus is saying, I am the only way in. He is the only way. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pastor. If one enters by Jesus, he will be saved. She will be saved. Jesus is claiming that if one enters by him, that person will be saved. And the crucial part of all of this is that Jesus is the only way. He's the only way there. There is no other way. No way around it. The thieves, the robbers, they try to go around the entrance. Jesus said, I am the only way. The sheep couldn't just jump over the wall and into the pen. They couldn't jump out of it either. They must go through the door. And Jesus is saying, when he comes through that door, he will be saved. 
Save from predators. Save from thieves and robbers. And that's exactly what Jesus does for us. For those who believe in him, he becomes our Savior. He becomes our Savior. The one who saves us from predators, saves us from thieves and robbers, saves us from Satan and hell, saves us from those who are exploiting Christianity for their own gain, exploiting Christianity for their own good, instead of for the lives of those who believe. And Jesus does this for us because we, or Jesus does this for us because once we believe in Him, we have the Holy Spirit that comes and lives inside of us, teaching us and guiding us through the way of God. The only way for salvation is through Jesus, and the gate is narrow gate. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. For those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Church, the only way to Jesus is through Jesus. And it is a narrow way, a straight way, it is a hard way. But let me tell you what the Bible says. It leads to life. When we share the gospel with those around us, teach them that the only way is through Jesus. That they must enter through Jesus. I've had conversations with people before in the past who are always adding something to Jesus. And friends, nothing has to be added. Nothing has to be added. Jesus is the only way. It is by Him alone that we are saved. I spoke with this one person one time. He was adamant that he had to believe in Jesus and that he also had to work in obedience in order to have salvation. We just have to believe in Jesus and then live a life of obedience following Him. We must correct people that have this thing when we share the gospel with them. Show them this verse. Show them that Jesus is the only way and that we must enter through Him and Him alone. Show them all that they have to do is place their trust, their faith in Jesus alone. And he will save you. The second thing for us to recognize is that Jesus gives life abundantly. Abundantly. In verse 10 it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I come, I came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus not only came to save, but to give life. Abundant life. A life that is eternal. The Greek word here for abundant can be understood that's something that goes way beyond necessity. Way beyond necessity. And Jesus is giving that to those who believe in him. This is the opposite that the false messiahs wanted to give. The opposite of what the Pharisees wanted to give. The opposite of what the thieves and the robbers wanted to do. Satan wants to use anything around you to steal and kill and destroy you. This world, all it wants to do is steal and kill and destroy you. And as believers, we must be watchful and always rely on the Spirit to lead us because Satan wants to steal your joy, kill your life, and destroy any hope you have. But as believers, 
We can't do any of that to completion because Jesus already instilled inside of us life. He's already given us hope. He's already given us peace. He's already given us joy because we believe in Him. For you, who is here today and doesn't believe in Jesus, who doesn't believe in God or Christianity or all, maybe you've been coming to this church for a really long time, years and years, has yet to believe in Jesus. Let me tell you that Jesus is the only way. If you are going through life in this world, it's not giving you any joy or any peace or any hope. I have an answer for you. His name is Jesus. And all you have to do is believe and place your trust, your, place your trust in Him. John 3.16 teaches that Jesus was God's Son. And that He was sent to this earth so that whatsoever, or whosoever, excuse me, would believe in Him would have an everlasting life. And He sent His Son. Because we are sinful and we needed a Savior. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, says that we that Jesus teaches us that we have the, that Jesus gives us the gift of life, or the gift of life is eternal life. Or excuse me, the gift of God is eternal life. If you recognize that you are a sinner, that you are not following the God of the Bible, believe that Jesus was sent to be the God man, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, a sacrificial death. On the third day, he rose again, and you will be saved. You will be given life. Jesus is the only way. Come through the door. Enter through the door. In our passage today, we've seen two features of Jesus. We've seen that Jesus is the true door, and we've seen that Jesus is the Savior. As we live our lives, as we go from place to place, we must remember that Jesus is the only way for those that surround us. For those people who you see at the grocery store, when you're buying groceries, for those people who you see sitting at a restaurant that's around you, for those who you're at your family gatherings that are around you, for your neighbors, for anybody, the only way is through Jesus, because He is the Lord. And we as believers are responsible for letting them know. We are commanded to let them know. Commanded to go and teach them of Jesus. Teach them that Jesus is the only way for those who don't believe. Teaching them that they can have eternal life. Because ultimately, Jesus is the Savior. So as always, we must ask ourselves, what are we to do about this? How are we to live this out? How are we to live it out? And so my encouragement this week is for you to continue to walk in Jesus. Continue to walk in Jesus. When we first became a believer, when we first received Christ and entered the door, now we must continue to walk in Jesus. Colossians 2, verses 6 through 8, it says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. When we continue to walk in Jesus, it does three things for us. It gives us deep roots, 
It builds us up and establishes us in the faith. The more we continue to walk in Jesus, the more rooted we become in Jesus. The deeper our roots grow, the thicker they get. The more we continue to walk in Jesus, the more we will be built up in Him. He becomes our foundation. He becomes the very thing that holds us up, that builds us up. And finally, the more we continue to walk in Jesus, the more established we become in the faith. Yes, when we believe, we are established, we are set. But when we walk in Jesus daily, we become more established in the things of Christ. And all three of these things that happen when we walk in Christ helps us to not be taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit, to not be taken captive by human traditions, to not be taken captive by elemental spirits of this world, to not be taken captive of things that are not according to Christ. Church, as believers, we must continually walk in Jesus every day of our lives. And remember that the gospel is for us every day because we need it daily. And just as we need it daily, there are people around you that also need it. When we continue to walk in Jesus, we begin to actively show them Jesus. When we continue to walk in Jesus, we speak with Jesus much. And our walking in Jesus leads us to share Jesus with those around us. Because He is the only way to God. If you're here today, and you will respond to the Lord and enter into Jesus, I'd love to have a conversation with you about the next steps to move forward in this journey to heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for how great and awesome you are, Lord. Lord, I pray that today we remember who you are as the door, Lord. That we remember that you are the only way. That you are the true one, the true Messiah. Lord, help us to take that and show it to people, tell it to people, to speak it to people. Help us to remember that you are the Savior, the one who saved us. Lord, you are so good. If there's one here today that doesn't know you, I pray that today is the day that they come to Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.